Every maneuver that he made to try and get the advantage to conquer Israel, it seemed that Israel knew all about it. And when it happened once, well, maybe it was coincidence. When it happened twice, certainly it was no joke. And when it kept happening repeatedly, well, it became embarrassing. And they could not find a way to engage with Israel until the king of Syria began to ask, who is leaking information? Welcome to Let the Bible Speak. This is Ian Golliher, and today we're dealing with the other world, the unseen spiritual world. We're dealing with Second Kings chapter 6 and the young man who said to Elisha, Oh, see their horses and chariot. And the servants said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? And he answered, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they which be with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. Well, that's the prayer that every preacher ought to make, that those who sit in our pews and those that hear the word of God that their eyes will be opened to the truths of the gospel. This, of course, is because sin blinds, and man by nature cannot see the things of God, because they are, as Paul said, spiritually discerned. Stay with us now as we move to the pulpit of our church to let the Bible speak on Open His Eyes, Lord, of all. Every day we see some poor soul blind, walking right into the ditch of sin, walking in the way that is going to ruin them. And all we can pray is, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may seize. And we need to make this our prayer for Cloverdale, for Canada, for people who are worshiping other gods following the ways of false worship, and they cannot see the way to God. Now, of course, we can see God in all of creation around us. Our eyes have been opened. As Christians, we can see the glory of God in the very leaf of the tree. We can see the glory of God in a raindrop, in a snowflake. We can see the glory of God in a mountain in a valley, in a river. But there are philosophers and professors, and they look at the evidence and can not see. They are spiritual blind. Did you ever notice in the life of the Lord Jesus how many miracles were performed to open the eyes of the blind? And that's because Jesus truly did come into the world to open the eyes of the blind. In Isaiah 42, 7, to open the eyes, the blind eyes, to bring out the prisoners from the prison and them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. That's the ministry of our Lord Jesus. And what he did to blind Bartimaeus and to many others when he touched their eyes and made them to see, that was just a, an illustration of the spiritual ministry and power of the Lord as he 
ministered in this world. And what a great reputation the Lord Jesus gained himself as he healed various blind people. In John's Gospel, chapter 9, we read of one who was blind from birth, and the Lord opened his eyes. And Jesus said in that chapter, as long as I am in this world, I am the light of the world. And these are all illustrations of the saving, miraculous power of the Lord Jesus. And so we need to pray this prayer with a mighty Savior who can open eyes, open hearts, open the understanding. We need to make this our prayer in the prayer room of our church and for our children and our families. We need to pray for those that are careless and heedless. Lord, open his eyes that he may see. Now, I want to just give you a few of the things that the natural man cannot see. First of all, he cannot see himself as God sees him. He cannot see himself as a lost soul. Men try to make themselves as good as God. Uh, They think that they are acceptable to him, and with some little fix, perhaps, that they can find their way to peace and fellowship and to walk with God. But the Lord Jesus taught the very opposite. And he said to the Pharisees, it's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a man, but it what comes out of the heart that defiles a man. And of course, the Lord went right down the list of all the things that come out of the heart of man. He is so heinously sinful and vile in the sight of God, and yet natural man doesn't see it. If you ask him, are you a sinner? He'd be offended. He can't understand, how do you think that I am so ugly in the sight of God? If you've had your eyes opened and you've been realized to see that you're just a worm in God's sight, unworthy of his mercy, that is grace. He has opened your eyes. The other thing that a sinner cannot see, and that is he cannot see the need of a Savior. And when eyes are blinded to sin— they can't understand why they would need a Savior who is the Savior of sinners. And then the next thing he can't understand is the cross. And Paul really elaborated on this in 1 Corinthians 1. He talked about the preaching of the cross is foolishness to them that believe not. And we need to pray, Lord, open their eyes. As we preach the cross, and as we come to another Easter season— as we preach the cross, as we tell the story of the Savior dying in the sinner's place, God has given us the eyes to see. Just like Elisha, he could see, but he prayed for that young man, open his eyes, Lord, that he might see. And so this is a great exhortation to us to pray for the lost, pray for the blind, pray for those who cannot see spiritual things. Now, I move to my last point, which is the big point that I want to make tonight, and that is the things that the Christian is given to see. The first thing that happens when you are converted, when you are born of the Spirit, born again, 
there is an immediate comprehension that this Bible is God's book. A born-again Christian never argues with the authority and the inspiration of the Bible. Now, we may not know much about it. We may not, like me, when I was first converted, couldn't hardly find the book as it was announced by the preacher. Had to get help to find out where to find. But when I was saved, newly born of the Spirit, there was an immediate witness of the Spirit in my heart to accept God's book as God's Word. And that was not because I went to Bible school. It was not because of the power of the preacher. It was the work of the Spirit of God. And that's the miracle of the Lord opening our eyes. In the Westminster Confession of Faith, chapter 1, the first chapter deals with Scripture, rightly so. But it points out, and I want to read you just a couple of excerpts, that the authority of the Holy Scripture for which it ought to be believed and obeyed depends not upon any testimony of man or church, but wholly upon God, who is truth itself, the author thereof, and therefore is to be received because it is the Word of God. And so, clearly, the work of convincing man that this book is God's Word is the work of the Spirit. It is when our spiritual eyes are opened. Now, in the next section, it goes on even further to say, the full discovery that it makes of the only way of man's salvation, the many other incomparable excellencies, and the entire perfection thereof, are arguments whereby it does abundantly evidence itself to be the Word of God. Yet, notwithstanding, our full persuasion and assurance of the infallible truth and divine authority thereof is from the inward work of the Holy Spirit, bearing witness by and with the Word in our hearts. And so, there is the miracle of having our eyes opened. We are opened to understand this is God's Word. And in sometimes we may panic and worry, what will happen in the next generation? Will the Bible be believed by any? Well, it's a great assurance to know this is God's work. And God raises up a people who fear the book, who love the Word. And the ministry of the gospel will never be outdated because people will hunger for the Word of God. That's the guarantee of God in the gospel. In Psalm 119, verse 8, the psalmist prayed, Open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. That's a good prayer to make. And as we come to the Bible, and as we come to study God's Word, it's a good prayer to make. Psalm 119 and verse 18. Open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. The other thing that a Christian believes, the believer sees Christ in the Scriptures. The believer sees that this book is all about the Lord Jesus, His grace, 
his gospel, his saving power. And of course, in Luke 24, we have the story of the men on the road to Emmaus. Uh, But it is God's work to open eyes and turn men to rejoice in the gospel. Let's go to that passage, Luke 24 and verse 44. Luke 24 and verse 44. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the Scriptures. And he goes on down to talk about his death and the resurrection and they grasped it. They got it. Now, up until the Lord's resurrection, they could not figure it out. But the Lord came and revealed these things to them. A few weeks ago, when Andrew Fitton and I went to Surrey Central Station and were giving out some of those leaflets, there was a young man standing at one of the, the cities. He was standing, but in the seating area where a lot of people were seated, and uh, I gave him the leaflet, and, and he said, uh, is this about the, the, the resurrection of Jesus? I said, no, but we believe it. And he said, well, I'm out of here. He somehow had his guard up that that was something he could not accept. He could not tolerate. But when the Lord saves us, there's no quibble. There's no argument. We rejoice in the facts as they're presented in the gospel of the Lord Jesus. Now, remember, when Christ rose from the dead, the angels attended. The angels ministered. The angels have a a ministry to do for the Lord and for His church. They are ministering spirits. They look into these things of redemption, and they are the Lord's servants and helpers in his work. And we're to rejoice in that spiritual world and in the work that is done. Now, keep your Bible open at Luke 24. The next thing that the Christian sees, we see the Scriptures, we see Christ in the Scriptures, and we see redemption. We see redemption in the Scriptures. We Well, sometimes we need it pointed out, but it's something we rejoice in immediately when it is pointed out that there is a red line that runs through all of the Bible, the red line of redemption. From Genesis 3.15, the first gospel promise, into chapter 4 where you have the first sacrifice, where you have Abel worshiping God by a lamb, and it moves on to Abram building altars, offering sacrifices, even to Mount Moriah, where Isaac was to be sacrificed for a time. God stopped it, of course. But on that Mount Moriah, that's where Solomon built the temple. That's where the sacrifices in their multitudes were offered to God. And it was on that mount where is Jerusalem and Calvary. And right through the Scriptures from beginning to end, is redemption as a theme. It is the theme of the Scriptures. And the Christian 
rejoices in it with all his heart. And then, of course, the believer will see heaven in the Scriptures, the heavenly and the glory of God in heaven above. That it's a prepared place. The Lord Jesus promised, I go to my Father. I go to prepare a place for you, but I will come again and receive you unto myself. And of course, heaven is a prepared place for God's prepared people. We rejoice in that. That is something that the Christian grasps and lays hold upon. This is now the hope of our soul, the hope of our Christian life and walk, because there is a heaven prepared for us. And it's a promised place. It is given as the absolute assurance to every child of God that we have a home in heaven. It's a guaranteed place. In 1 Peter 1, 5, we're told there about it's a, a place that's reserved for us. No one else can take the place. Your name is on the seat. No one else can take the seat but you. It is reserved just for you. And that becomes the delight and the joy of God's people. Also, it is a better place. This world is not the end. If this world was the end, we would be of all men most miserable. If there was no resurrection, no hope of glory, what would we be living for? Just to endure life in the body, grow old and die, and that's the end of it. No, there is an eternity. There's a glory. There's a place of reward which is far better. This world, while it has a little picture of heaven here and there, it doesn't even begin to compare. Paul talked of it in 2 Corinthians 4, 18, about this light affliction cannot be compared with the eternal weight of glory. What a contrast. This world, light affliction, heaven, eternal weight of glory. And that's the hope that is in our hearts. And we need to pray, Lord, open my eyes. Don't let me serve this world as a, a slave of the world. Give me that gaze of heaven that will make me to enjoy this life in the hope of the resurrection and the hope that we are going to see Christ. We can thank Kerry for that hymn tonight, when we see Jesus face to face, face to face shall I behold him, and then it will be worth it all. And whatever we endure, whatever hardship we go through, for Christ's sake and for his gospel, it shall be worth it all. And when we are downcast and losing our uh, victory in life. We need to pray as Elisha prayed for this young man. Open my eyes, Lord, that I might see. Give me a heavenly perspective of the future that is set 
before us. And then we can tonight praise God. We can give him the worship and the praise of our hearts, rejoicing in the very blessing of God. Now, the outcome of this story here, of course, is that uh, the army of Assyria was blinded. They were led to Samaria. They were sent home, and Israel was guarded and protected. God watches over his people, and we need to take that to heart tonight. This is Ian Golliher. Thank you for joining with us here on Let the Bible Speak. And today we're looking at righteousness exalt of the nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. And we need the warning that marijuana is coming. If you have not already smelled it in your neighborhood, soon parents will have lost one big reason to direct their children away from marijuana, because it will become legal. Canada is opening up the marijuana market and will lift its ban on the use of what has been known as weed. I have to ask what our government is already smoking, for they must be out of their minds. A little research will show that marijuana is no joke. Doesn't the government know already what is established by science? Here are some of the adverse consequences of marijuana use taken from a drug abuse government in the U.S. Acute, persistent, during intoxication, impaired short-term memory, impaired attention, judgment, and other cognitive functions, impaired coordination and balance, increased heart rate, anxiety, paranoia, psychosis, although they claim that is uncommon. Persistent, lasting longer than intoxication, but may not be permanent. That impaired learning and coordination, sleep problems. Then there are the long-term or cumulative effects of repeated use of marijuana. Potential for marijuana addiction. Impairments in learning and memory with potential loss of IQ. Increased risk of chronic cough and bronchitis increased risk of other drug and alcohol use disorders, increased risk of schizophrenia in people with genetic vulnerability. And then they also have loss of IQ among individuals with persistent marijuana use who began using heavily during adolescence. And so we have this list of problems that marijuana causes. Now, here is a statement. What are marijuana's effects on lung health? Info taken from the National Institute on Drug Abuse in the USA. They say that like tobacco smoke, marijuana smoke is an irritant to the throat and lungs and can cause a heavy cough during use. It also contains levels of volatile chemicals and tar that are similar to tobacco smoke, raising concerns about risk for cancer and lung disease. Marijuana smoking is associated with large airway inflammation, increased airway resistance, and lung hyperinflation. And those who smoke marijuana regularly 
report more symptoms of chronic bronchitis than those who do not smoke. One study found that people who frequently smoke marijuana had more outpatient medical visits for respiratory problems than those who do not smoke. And the list goes on and on. I want to read to you a director's letter on the site for National Institute on Drug Abuse in the United States. Changes in marijuana policies across states legalizing marijuana for medical and or recreational use suggest that marijuana is gaining greater acceptance in our society. Thus, it is particularly important for people to understand what is known about both the adverse health effects and the potential therapeutic benefits linked to marijuana. Because marijuana impairs short-term memory and judgment and distorts perception, it can impair performance in school or at work and make it dangerous to drive. It also affects brain systems that are still maturing through young adulthood. So regular use by teens may have negative and long-lasting effects on their cognitive development, putting them at a competitive disadvantage and possibly interfering with their well-being in other ways. Also, contrary to popular opinion, marijuana can be addictive and its use during adolescence may make other forms of problem use or addiction more likely. Whether smoking or otherwise consuming marijuana has therapeutic benefits that outweigh its health risks is still an open question. And this is signed by Nora D. Volkow, MD, Director, National Institute on Drug Abuse, USA. And so I have asked, have Canadians lost their minds to allow and legalize marijuana from coast to coast, knowing the harm and knowing the societal danger this will have? Our government, led by our Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, is acting like a Pied Piper leading the citizens of our country to ruin. What a disaster this is going to bring. It will bring a tsunami of problems on the roads, domestic life, on the job, and throughout society. We are headed for a downgrade disaster. Surely we need to cry out to God to deliver people from this this awful temptation and destruction, especially for young people, because the science is clear that the THC compound in marijuana will destroy developing uh, minds so that they will not reach their potential and they will be damaged for life. This is irreversible damage. This is a disaster for our country. And it's a disaster for the rising generation in this, this nation that will reap the harvest of this evil. Let us cry to God for mercy for the rising generation. And let us plead the truth that righteousness exalteth the nation, but sin is a reproach of any people. May the Lord be gracious and turn this nation again to righteousness. This is Pastor Ian Golliher, and you are listening to Let the Bible Speak. I hope you've been blessed today through the ministry of God's Word. I'd also be delighted to talk with you. My personal phone number is 604-897-2040. Please call to let me know that you're listening, and we can open the Bible and pray.
pray together. For all the information about our radio ministry in Canada and our churches in Buffalo, Scarborough, Port Hope, and Barrie, please go to ltbs.ca. If you have been blessed today, please kindly consider helping us to cover the cost of airtime. Your gift, large or small, will make the difference. You can donate online at ltbs.ca or by mail. Our mailing address is LTBS 18790, 58th Avenue, Surrey, B.C., V3S 1M6. My phone number again is 604-897-2040. And remember to join us again at this time next week on this station as we let the Bible speak.